You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Mahaliel, from the presence of God. Jared, one comes down. Enoch, dedicated. Methuselah, dying he shall send. Lamech, to the poor brought very low. Noah, comfort or rest. Put them all together in one sentence and you have man appointed subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down, dedicated. Dying he shall send to the poor brought very low, comfort or rest. Those 10 names give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is alive and displays His love for us and His plan of redemption in such a beautiful, profound way. As Pastor Dave will point out in today's message, from the very beginning, God has been orchestrating His plan to rescue us from our destructive ways through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 1 as he begins his message, All the Nations of the World. First Chronicles. Father, as we now come to your word, I'm just blessed, Lord, that you have allowed me to teach your word and you've given me the ability through your Holy Spirit to bring forth these words which you want to say tonight, Father God. I, I thank you for your word, your, your breath breathed on these pages, these beautiful scriptures that we have for us. And Lord, there's nothing wasted in your word. Everything in your word has meaning and has importance, Lord. So help us, Lord, not to get bogged down in what we see in front of us, but Lord, let us open our hearts to what you might want to do in them tonight, that you might want to show us something special in your word tonight, that we might glean from your words those things which apply to our lives and how we would get to know you better and how we would get to know the history of the nation better. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this time, and I ask that you would bless these saints, Lord. Lord, you don't disappoint. You never disappoint, Lord. So I know, Lord, that you're going to do something mighty in our hearts tonight, Lord. So open them up that we might receive. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So at the conclusion of 2 Kings, the southern kingdom of Judah had been carried away into captivity by Babylon. And previously, before that, the northern kingdom of Israel had also been carried away, but they were carried away by the Assyrians. So 2 Kings ends, and both kingdoms now are in captivity. They're both gone. And for about 70 years, the land lay barren, except for a remnant. Very, very few left. The remnant remained. And although the northern kingdom of Israel would never return to glory, would never be established once again, The people of Judah were eventually allowed to come back. They were allowed to come back from Babylon and come back and re-inhabit Jerusalem, build up the walls, Nehemiah, and all that happened. Okay, they were allowed to do that, which was foretold and prophesied by the prophets. So a new generation had been born 
in captivity. A new generation, 70 years had gone by, and a brand new generation had been born. And the books of First and Second Chronicles were written to give this new generation a look at their past, to see from whence they've come and give meaning to their existence, because they didn't know anything about Israel. They didn't know anything at all about the history of their land. So these books were written, and it's a history lesson. And why would we have a history lesson? Because this new generation didn't know anything of the rich promise of the land. They didn't know anything. The nation Israel was a divine providence. It was a divine nation. It had a divine history. It had a theological history. So when we get to First and Second Chronicles, we find out that it is basically a rehashing of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. They're retelling the story. They're retelling the story. Why? To give a brand new generation hope. To give them hope. It reminds the new generation that the nation has a spiritual purpose. The nation has an extremely spiritual purpose that will be fulfilled yet to come, that will be fulfilled yet to come. It was written to tell them that they come from good stock. It was written to tell them that they come from Adam, Abraham, Jacob, Judah, and David. Strong, solid men. But not all of the content of Chronicles is found in Samuel or Kings. In fact, over half of the content of Chronicles is unique. It's unique because the scope of 1 and 2 Chronicles is very broad. It traces the history of Israel from Adam and Eve until the end of the Babylonian captivity. And the emphasis in these two books is placed on the tribe of Judah, to whom the books were written. These books were actually written to the tribe of Judah. Remember, they are returning. They're coming back. It's also written to the Levitical priests who were important in reestablishing worship in Jerusalem. The Davidic covenant and the temple worship are common themes running throughout the book of Chronicles. Who wrote the book of Chronicles? We aren't sure, but it is considerably recognized as Ezra, the scribe. Ezra wrote these. In fact, the Babylonian Talmud identifies Ezra by name as the author. And further events of 1 and 2 Chronicles actually lead to the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. By the way, you might not know this, but in the original scriptures, Ezra and Nehemiah were one book. They were one book. Also interesting that I found out is that the name of First and Second Chronicles in the Septuagint. What's the Septuagint? Anybody? It's the Greek Old Testament. Thank you. The Greek Old Testament, and it was produced in around 300 B.C. But in the Septuagint, the title of First and Second Chronicles is The Books of Things Left Out. It refers to the additional details surrounding the historical events in Samuel and Kings. Remember when we were studying Samuel and Kings, I would always refer to the book of Chronicles as like a companion book, and we would look at that? Well, that's what they're talking about. We learn so much more about the southern kingdom of Judah and its king. While the book of the Kings 
basically deals with the northern kingdom, if you remember correctly. It basically dealt with the northern kingdom. So the books of First and Second Chronicle are invaluable in the restoration of Judah after the Babylonian captivity. The remnant that returned to ruin Jerusalem found nothing. There was a destroyed temple. All kinds of obstacles were there. They must have felt overwhelmed and forsaken by God. I mean, after all, they had spent 70 years in captivity, and they finally come back, and there's nothing there. The temple is destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem are all crumbled and fallen apart. They must have felt forsaken. But by tracing the history of God's people, the author of Chronicles reminded the new generation that God had been the help in ages past, trying to get them back into the help that they know to be God. By emphasizing the unconditional Davidic covenant, the writer gave the new generation hope, gave them hope for a future. One that was built upon what the past was. And by including these genealogies, he showed them that, that, that one could continue the legacy. In short, the, the author of Chronicles showed a despairing people that they had a powerful, faithful God who would strengthen them and rebuild their temple and city. Who wouldn't want to read something like that? Who wouldn't want to read something like that and be encouraged and be 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 Know that God is for you and not against you. To know that you have someone looking over you constantly. This must have been an extremely important book for these people to read, to get to know their history. And as a wannabe history teacher, history is extremely important. And you see what's happening today in today's age. History is being destroyed. They're taking away history. You can't change history, but yet that's what's happening. So I believe this is extremely important to us, and it is a history lesson, and that's okay. But the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles deals primarily with genealogies. This, these nine chapters cover a span of over 3,000 years. 3,000 years, and it's important for the children of Israel, for their ministry to know how important they become to God. And it's important to us to know prophetically how it happened. It's important. See, anyone who desired to serve the Lord in the temple had to prove that they were from the tribe of Levi. You had to prove it because that was in God's law. If you wanted to be a priest, you had to prove you were a descendant of Aaron. You had to prove that you were a descendant of Aaron. So the genealogies establish, if you will, a pedigree. Genealogies are important prophetically because through the genealogies, we can follow them all the way down and end up with Jesus of Nazareth. End up with Jesus of Nazareth, the promised Messiah, and he was promised centuries before, before he appeared on the scene. So let's start. Let's have some fun. We begin with Adam. Why not? Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. No, anyhow, I digress. Adam, the father of all humanity, he is first on the list. We start at the beginning. The writer goes all the way back to Genesis 1, 26a. Genesis 1, you don't have to turn there. I'll figure it out one of these days. I didn't, I didn't mark it, and don't ask me why. 
And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all things, and over creepy things that creeps the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Adam is the first we see. The writer goes all the way back. Adam, the father of all humans. And then starting with Adam, he starts to move forward. And we have Seth. Wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. They're missing somebody. Yeah. They're not there, are they? Well, Abel's dead. And Cain was cursed, wasn't he? Cain was cursed and sent way away. And it, Scripture says that Eve gave birth to another son and named him Seth. So there we are. We have Seth. Then we have Enosh. Then we have Canaan, then we, then we have Mahaliel, we have Jared, we have Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not. He was translated up into heaven. He was taken. Then we have Methuselah. Some say he was the oldest man ever, Methuselah. Well, you're as old as Methuselah. Then we have Lamech. And then we have Noah. Then we have Noah. What's really interesting here. If you take the literal meaning of the first 10 names in the Bible, those first names I just read, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. If you take their literal meaning, you come up with the gospel. You come up with the gospel. Literal meaning of Adam is man. Literal meaning of Seth, appointed. Enosh, subject to death. Canaan, sorrowful. Mahaliel, from the presence of God. Jared, one comes down. Enoch, dedicated. Methuselah, dying he shall send. Lamech, to the poor brought very low. Noah, comfort or rest. Put them all together in one sentence, and you have man appointed subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down dedicated, dying, he shall send to the poor, brought very low, comfort or rest. Those ten names give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gives you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's fascinating. I find that to be extremely fascinating. I like that. Little tidbits. Don't, you can pay me later. Don't, you know. No extra charge for these little tidbits. No extra charge. Make sure everybody gets one. Beginning in verse 1, 4, chapter 1, 4a, and continuing all the way to verse 27b, we go from Noah to Abram or Abraham, and we see what they call the table of nations. The table of nations. And you want to get a good look at the table of nations. You got to go down the hallway and you got to spend some time at the monster chart down there. I guarantee if you get down there and stop once, you might take a while to get away because it's incredibly fascinating as you look at this table of nations. So we start with the ones who, from whom the table of nations came. Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. In the names of these sons and their sons, you can find the inhabitants of the entire world. Each nation is represented. He says, and he gives the names of the son, the descendants. He starts with Japheth. 
who was one of Noah's sons. And then it is interesting as you watch it and it takes off and it gives you a few descendants of Japheth and then all of a sudden Japheth is gone. And then he gives you a few descendants of Ham. But then Ham's gone. But then it centers on the one. It centers on the descendants of Seth. It descendants is on the seventh, who, who was a, a son of Ham, excuse me, uh, Shem, because the descendants come to Abraham. They go all the way to Abraham. And you could read it. You have the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. And then they take each person and gives name to each. The sons of Gomer, the sons of Javan, the sons of Ham, the sons of Cush. And you can so on and so on and so on. And you get all the way down to Abraham. And that's the genealogy really that scripture is interested in. It's interested in Abraham. It's interesting to Abraham. Give me two places in the New Testament where the genealogies are listed. Beginning. Matthew 1, Luke 3. Matthew and Luke both give the genealogies. They give the genealogies there. Okay? And so we see this. And we see that the sons of Japheth, and we need the name of his sons, and we find out that this is where the Europeans came from. The Europeans came from them. The Russians, you have... Look, you have some names that are familiar. Magog. Now, where are we, where are we going to hear about Magog again? Ezekiel 38 and 39. Yeah, of course. Okay. Madai, Juven, Tubal. These are names of, of European places. Gomer, and then so forth. You have these north and west descendants of Japheth. Javan came to Greek or Greece. Gomer to the ancient cities of the Crimeans and to the Russian plains. Madai was the Medes and the Persians of Iran. Tubal and Meshach came to the inhabitants of the Turkish plateau. Kittim and Rodanium, these are the respectively islands of Cyprus and Rhodes. So every nation under God is right here as they move forward. And as we read the descendants of Ham, beginning in verse 8, we realize that they're the ones who went down from Israel into the African continent. They established the African continent and they populated that area down there. Cush, a poor, Cush, apparently his family is divided into two branches early. Some founded Babylon, notably Limrod, and others founded Ethiopia. There's another way that the Bible refers to Egypt as Ethiopia. Put refers to Libya. The region of North Africa is west of Egypt. Canaan refers to the peoples who originally settled in the land that they think of as Israel and its surroundings. You can see the names there. You can go through them. In verse 10, there's an interesting gentleman there. Verse 10 is an interesting gentleman. Cush begat Nimrod. I hope none of you have ever been called a Nimrod. <laughs> It says, he became, he began to be a mighty one of the earth. If you want to do a really cool study, study what Nimrod's about. That is really a cool, cool study. He's the great grandson of Noah. He's described as the first mighty man to appear on the earth after the flood. Previously, there were giants and mighty men on the earth. So after where you have this now, and from the text, he might have been a large guy. He might have been average, more, more average than usual. He might have been considered a giant. We don't know. 
He calls him, the Bible calls him a mighty hunter before the Lord in Genesis. He establishes the kingdom of Babel, Erech, Akkad, and the land of Shinar. And he extends the kingdom into Assyria where he built Nineveh. You heard of Nineveh before. Who went to Nineveh? Jonah, Rehoboth, etc. He was a skilled man and an ambitious leader. And besides, one of the things to his credit was what? Will you tell me? The Tower of Babel. He was the head honcho who made who got the Tower of Babel going. Infamous Tower of Babel. He was a mighty man, had physical strength, giant stature. Probably why people followed him. He was the leader of the kingdom of Babel. He's connected with the Tower of Babel. And according to Josephus, Nimrod said that he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to down, drown the world again for that he would build a tower too high for the waters to reach. That's what Nimrod wanted to do. And that he would avenge himself on God for destroying the forefathers. That came out of Antiquities of the Jews in book four, chapter, book one, chapter four. The motive, according to Josephus, for building the Tower of Babel was to protect humanity against another flood. But for this reason, the first flood was humanity's wickedness and rebellion, and from which humanity refused to repent. Nimrod was rebellious against God. He was rebellious against God, and he refused to repent. How did the Tower of Babel end? Yeah, God put it down. It fell down. It fell down. God tore it down. He tore it down. I like what also says in there, he said, if man does that, there's no thing, no something that man can't do if they put their mind to it. It says that in the scripture. That's kind of spooky. So Nimrod was proved wrong. All of man's strength and ability, even the strength of the mightiest man, is a gift of God that God can choose to rebuke and revoke at any time. He was a charismatic guy. He, there's some pretty cool things about Nimrod. You should take some time and read it up. Anybody know when Nimrod's birthday was? You don't know? It was celebrated every 25th of December. His birthday was December 25th. And to celebrate his birthday, they got a tree and they used to put balls and things on it. Yeah. Yeah. Study Nimrod. He's a pretty cool, he's some really interesting stuff, especially his mom and things. So we come now to Shem, and Shem is the children of Israel. Shem is the father of the children of Israel and all those towards the east of Israel, the sons of Shem. The sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Arkfaxed, Lud, Aram, Uz. Anybody know anybody from Uz? He was from the Earl of the Chaldees, wasn't he? How about Uz? Anybody know anybody from Uz? Job, 1-1. Hull, Gether, Meshach. Oxfad begot Shelah, and Shelah begot Erber. Does anybody, everybody see the name Erber there? That is where the Hebrews came from. Erber is the name where they got Hebrews from. You are sure. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of 1 Chronicles. 
I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of with this book is history, ancient history. I think of the stories of King David, but as I read through it today, I noticed how many verses there are that proclaim the goodness of God and give Him glory. Verses like 1 Chronicles 16, 29-31, which say, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. David had brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and the first response he and the people had to the presence of God was to worship Him. We want to be worshipers just like David was, and you're invited to join us. A Sure Hope comes to you out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. And if you're in the area, we would love to worship God together with you this weekend. Our services are held at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. You can find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. That's all for today. But we hope to see you again next time as we rest together in a sure hope.